0: That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network.
1: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben
0: Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Old Miss Spirit, OMSPirit.com an affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, right? and view Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Talk of Champions can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Ben Brown, Ole Miss offensive lineman, for his weekly segment, Frontline View following Ole Miss's 54-17 win over Austin P. Ole Miss' is 2-0. Got a lot of stuff going on right now in Ole Miss football, as well as around college football, including Clay Helton being canned at USC. David, what's up, man? How you doing?
2: Doing good, doing good. And actually looking forward to this game Saturday night, being Ole Miss, Tulane, 7 o'clock inside Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. And, uh, you know, this is a Tulane team. Every now and then, you know, if you follow college football – once every decade or so, Tulane has a really good football team. They have one this year, and uh, they're going to be in Oxford Saturday night. And Ben, I think this is this one may be closer than what the Vegas odds makers are seeing. Rebels open as fifteen point favorites. I can see this ball game being one of those decided in the fourth quarter. Look, sooner or later, somebody. Is going to slow down this old miss offense. I don't know if it's going to be Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, maybe maybe Odom over at Arkansas and Sam Pittman. Somebody one day is going to slow down this old miss offense, and we're going to see what this defense is made of. It could be this weekend with Willie Fritz and Tulane. Tulane has a deep defensive team. You know, Lane said it on Monday. Look, these guys, they could go 22-24 deep on defense and really not lose anything. Louisville couldn't do that. Austin Peay certainly couldn't do that. Tulane might be able to do that. I think this is going to be an interesting ball game, Ben.
0: Oh, I think it's going to be interesting. I disagree with the point that some defense is going to stop Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss more than anything else will stop itself. If you fall behind this Ole Miss team, it's going to be hard to catch up. But Ole Miss showed against Austin Peace, starting slowly. I mean, it was seven to nothing when Sam Williams did the scoop and score touchdown and made it fourteen to nothing. Then Ole Miss took off, but Ole Miss had beat itself. I think it punted turnover and turnover on downs before that big play happened. So for more, more than anything else. When you watch Ole Miss offensively, they're going to move the ball. It's whether or not they come up with points at the end of those drives. And if they don't, they start a little slowly like they're doing against Austin Peay. So, so you, don't, you don't call that somebody stopping them? Not you really. You call that them stopping themselves? Yeah. I mean, Arkansas employing the drop
2: eight last year to slow down Ole Miss? I mean, no credit there? I mean, all I'm saying is sooner or later, somebody's going to scratch something now that is going to put a hitch in the giddy up. During one game, I'm not talking about a season, and I'm talking about that defense is going to have to win a ballgame for them. That's it's, going to happen at one point this year. Somebody's going to do that.
0: It's kind of arguing semantically, though, isn't it? Whether or not they stop themselves or you give credit to the defense. It's kind of your own perspective of what Ole Miss is offensively. Either way, you're right. Yeah, they they have, have started slow, slow before. Right because, yeah.
2: you know, you could look at Matt Corral throwing six interceptions last year against Arkansas and certainly say – the Ole Miss offense stopped itself that day. You know, it's 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 one or the other, you know. You take your pick, but at some point this season, the defense is going to have to win a game for Ole Miss. It's gonna to have to one point or another.
0: Well, so far they've been up to the task, I think. They weren't as good against Austin P, but I'm trying not to take too much from Austin P for a number of reasons. One of those is it's Austin P. In a game like that on a short week, you're just trying to go in there not be embarrassing, win the game, not have any major injuries, and be done. And then you flush it and it's over with. Do you really take a lot away from a game like that? Because defensively no. they weren't yeah, they weren't as strong, as stingy as they were against Louisville, but it was a short week and it's Austin P. Of course they're not going to be up for that game.
2: Yeah, you you can't take anything away from those kind of games. Those are games simply to pad your resume. That's all they yeah. are. Yeah. I mean, if you want to know if somebody's good or not you're not going to find out when these sec teams are playing FCS teams. You're just not, you may find out if somebody's not good, such as Florida state losing to Jacksonville state on Saturday, but, um, you're, you're just not going to find out how good you are against these teams. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's a win. You're two and O. Now you got some trouble coming to town and, um, you know, this is a big ball game. I mean, look, they didn't flukishly go out and almost beat Oklahoma and Norman. This is a good team. Everybody knows it. I think it's going to be a, a, a really, really interesting game.
0: I thought we asked for cupcakes in the non-con. Instead, you get Tulane, which is good, Liberty, which is good. Yeah,
2: and Louisville, which is traditionally good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, exactly. I mean, you know, you look at this over the offseason, and you're going – well, Tulane, Liberty, Austin P, those should be wins. Austin Peay's good. Louisville will be interesting, but <clears throat> Austin P is a potential playoff team at the FCS level. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a tough non-conference schedule. If you want to know the truth, it's the toughest they've
0: had in a long, long time. It's kind of good that they've got their off weekend early, I think.
2: Yeah, it's good that you, you've got a week off and that's on September 25th, to heal up before the showdown in, in Tuscaloosa. And, I mean, I expect Ole Miss is going to be 3-0 going into that game, but I'm not ready, and I don't think anybody in the program's ready, to start looking over the horizon at what is going to be in Tuscaloosa. I mean, you know, the Tuscaloosa game certainly doesn't mean as much if you don't win this one Saturday. Oh, yeah. And I think everybody's focus is on this one Saturday. Ole Miss is going to head into Alabama, probably ranked number 12, somewhere around 12 in the country. Alabama's going to be number one. And um, let the chips fall where they must. I mean, you know, if Matt Corral is going to win the Heisman, Ole Miss is going to win at Alabama on that Saturday. And if they do, Matt becomes the hands-down front-runner, in my opinion.
0: That's college game day, don't you think?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think 2.30, CBS kickoff, and college game day, for sure. I mean, all the elements are there. Alabama, Saban, Lane Kiffin, Kiffin being a quote-unquote Saban disciple. It's all there. And Ole Miss's history of beating Alabama in recent years.
0: How many replays of the field goals coming down in two thousand and
2: fourteen, yeah, yeah, you know, and i was uh I was on the field at the end of that game, me too what <clears throat> excuse my voice today, by the way, I apologize for that, but uh yeah, it's one of the greatest sports moments I've ever actually been at that was just tremendous, yeah, and the one memory that pops in my head, you know everybody was flooding the field bin, everybody and The security people on the field picked one 140-pound frat boy out and tackled him and cuffed him while literally thousands of other people ran. Oh, I'll never forget it. I just couldn't grasp why these two guys, one was a Lafayette County deputy sheriff, one was a Cobra security guy. I believe it was Cobra. And this little 140-pound frat boy in sucker pants, pink shirt, and a bow tie, he gets clotheslined, tackled, and arrested. And, you know, there are 30,000 other people that are tearing goalposts down, and it's fine. I, I, I just
0: never got that. It's one of those moments where the Cobra guy or the highway patrolman, they get a little taste of that power, and they just want to exert that power. That's what that feels like.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it felt stupid to me. Stupid. But uh,
0: anyway, moving on. Moving on here. Um, I was in the end zone when Jalen Walton caught the touchdown pass, right there yeah. where he caught yeah. it. And the loud roar of the fans, the crowd, I haven't heard Vaught-Hemingway Stadium like that probably since LSU. Was it that, that LSU game in uh, Eli's senior year? Effectively the SEC West was won by LSU that yeah, day. Yeah. Pre-game. And they did the Russell Crowe gladiator video with the Tiger and the eruption of the crowd. It was similar to that, but it got louder than that because almost won, obviously. And that play by yeah. itself, as well as the Cinquez play. But the Sin celebration was delayed because of replay. But the Jalen Walton touchdown, it was deafening on the field. And that's what I remember. We're getting ahead of you our know, skis here, but I I'm kind of reminiscing right yeah.
2: now. Yeah, we're doing what we're telling them they need not. <laughs> that's right. But uh, that's uh, that's okay. We don't have to play or making any play calls. But, um, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, what the hell? It's going to be a great day for college football if you're an Ole Miss Rebel fan. I mean, look, they've got a shot because of that offense. They've got a shot. And, man, if they do. It's Katie Barr, the barn door, the rest of this season, dude. I mean, you're playing for things you didn't know or think or dream that you would be playing for if you get out of Tuscaloosa 4 0.
0: But you got to beat Tulane first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to beat Tulane first. And I was talking to Bradley Sal about this in the post game show, the Blue Delta Jeans post game show, which we do after every single game. Yeah, y'all do a great job on that, by Oh, way. thank you. Checks in the mail. Win or lose against Alabama, assuming that you beat Tulane, which is not a simple assumption to make. Ole Miss is the better team, and Ole Miss should win this game, but it's going to be challenging. We all recognize that. But assuming that Ole Miss goes mm-hmm. into that game 3-0, win or lose against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, when I look down the rest of the schedule, I don't see anyone else after watching games that Ole Miss can't beat or yeah, would be you favored know- to beat
2: we've got a two game sampling of everybody. And honestly, I, I picked this team to go nine and three in the preseason. If if I readjusted those predictions right now, it would probably be 11 and one wow. with that one being Alabama, uh, just can't get there yet. You know, it's going to be hard to pick Ole Miss to upset Alabama. We are talking about, probably the greatest college football dynasty we've ever seen.
0: Would it be a true upset though? Would it feel like that kind of upset? It wouldn't feel like 2014.
2: No, No, it wouldn't be 14 where it was jaw dropping simply because Ole Miss beat them. It wouldn't be 15 because it was jaw dropping just because Ole Miss beat them in Tuscaloosa. This one would be, I, I, I think, more of a, we have really actually arrived as an elite program in college football and we did so extremely quickly and you know what would be fun to do if Ole Miss goes to Bama and wins is to autopsy the last year and a half of this program oh yeah. you know go back and look at how that happened so quickly from where it was um you know that and we'll do that we'll definitely do that if anything we'll do it on this podcast but stop me Ben I'm putting the Cart before the horse. I can't. I need to shut up.
0: I can't, because I agree with you. The most interesting thing. If you're a team that fancies yourself in the same conversation this year as Alabama, and I think after two games, two weeks, three weeks, I guess if you count week zero, after three weeks of games, I think the general consensus is right now Ole Miss is probably, and that's just right now, the second best team in the West. If that's the case 100%. and you fancy yourself the second-best team in the West, in the same conversation as Alabama. If it were Auburn, if it were Texas A&M, if it were LSU, the conversation wouldn't be, have you arrived? Can you hang with Alabama? It's what will the game be like? How will it play out? How long will Ole Miss hang in there? Um, Is Ole Miss in the same conversation? Can they compete? It's not about little brother, big brother David Goliath crap. It's about, can you go in there and execute your game plan? Because you are in the same conversation. So if it were any other team, if it weren't Ole Miss, there wouldn't be this kind of underdog treatment of that game. And Ole Miss shouldn't be treated that way when you actually look at what we've seen through three weeks, which is Ole Miss, at least what we have, which is film. Two weeks' worth of film. Ole Miss, at least right now, is the second-best team in the West. So... It is different from 2014. It's different than 2015. In 2014, the whole narrative was, if Ole Miss wins, then we'll believe. I think everyone believes that Ole Miss is good enough. And last year, they really did that legwork in that they were the underdog, and they played Alabama as closely as anybody did all year. Ole Miss probably Mm -hmm. put up the best effort against Alabama last year, and that's with the team that was severely undermanned as far as talent Ole Miss didn't have the same talent as it does this year. So now that you've done that legwork, that was the underdog thing. Now it's about not arriving, but can you just get it done? And if you get it done, now we're talking about a totally different year in which we all came in saying Ole oh, Miss is probably going to win eight, nine games. Now you're talking about 10-11 or playoffs. And that's something that still for a lot of Ole Miss fans probably seems a little fantastical but it's not. Well, well,
2: you know, but should it be? It shouldn't I be. That's mean, what Ole I'm saying. Was yeah. Ranked yeah. in the top 4 of the first 2 years of the initial college football playoff standings. Um that's hard to believe. But in 14 and 15, Ole Miss was in the top 4 in the initial release in each of those seasons. So, you know, and and your Laquan Treadwell breaking his leg and fumbling play away from probably making the playoffs
0: fourth and twenty-five from making the playoff.
2: Yeah, fourth and twenty-five as well. I mean, you know, you that's the thing. You're 4-0 after that game in Tuscaloosa, the rest of the season, you're guarding against upset and letdown because you want to stay inside that college football playoff ball. Because you beat Alabama and you take care of business, you're gonna be in there. You're gonna make it. I mean I would think so.
0: Yeah. But you have to be Tulane. You have to beat Tulane. You have to beat Tulane. And I think a lot of fans man are oh, understandably are, concerned about Tulane after watching them against Oklahoma, but then in their first win yeah. put at 69 or whatever it was.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they should be. I mean, Tulane is a well coached team. Willie Fritz is a heck of a coach. You know, I would I would be willing to bet that um uh, he probably We'll have a Power Five opportunity soon, and um, I was surprised he didn't he get one last it. year. A little bit surprised. He's built a heck of a program.
0: Probably Tulane age. now has a
2: beautiful on-campus stadium. Um, you know they've got it going down there. New Orleans is not a bad place to be a college kid and hang out for four or five years either, as long as you stay in the right part of town. You know, but um, hey, credit to Tulane. I mean, they're not coming up here to lose. They're coming up here to shock the world. The Ole Miss is best be prepared for that. I think they will. Uh, You know, you heard Lane on Monday. He's told the players, hey, this is like an SEC opponent. Michael Pratt, their quarterback, kid's just a winner. He's going to beat you more often than he does not on plays. Um, That's just who he is. I think the Ole Miss defense is going to have to put forth a very solid effort to avoid a shootout, I think Ole Miss will get its points. Probably not as many as they got against Louisville or Austin Peay. Uh, You know, I see this one being around a 38-point output, maybe a 40-point output against Tulane, and therefore the question becomes, how well does the Ole Miss defense play against a a Tulane offense that really throws a little bit of everything and the kitchen sink at you? You know, they're going to try to confuse you. They're going to do it all. And you're going to have to be on your toes as a defense and not be caught flat-footed in the secondary.
0: So if an Ole Miss fan right now is listening and they're ready to get excited about Alabama, but that's two weeks away, you got Tulane, you got the off week, what's the level of concern? Is it threat-level midnight for you?
2: As far as the level of concern for Tulane? Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's not. I mean, if Ole Miss plays the way it's capable of playing, Ole Miss will win this game, probably by two touchdowns. If they don't, well, you know, you may find yourself in a in, in, in a battle with things hanging in the balance, you know, as the clock ticks down, much like Oklahoma did against Tulane two weeks ago. I mean, you know, if Ole Miss takes care of its business – gets a bounce or two, this could be a three or four touchdown victory for Ole Miss. I could also see that scenario. I really don't see a scenario of Tulane winning this game.
0: See, I go back to to, what I was saying. Yeah, you'd have to
2: consider it a major upset.
0: If it were any other team, if it wasn't the Ole Miss script on the helmet, if it was Oklahoma, if it was LSU, if it was hell, Auburn, Texas A&M, pick your team. Going into this game, if Tulane had done the same kind of almost beating Ole Miss in Week One, and Oklahoma had the same resume as Ole Miss, would there be the same level of concern? Because you've got to believe, well, in process and in team. I'll I'll
2: throw this at you, Ben. If Tulane were playing LSU this weekend, Tiger fans would be scared to death right now. There would be a a, an element of concern. Um, So. You know, I get what you're saying, but, you know, I think anybody's concerned to play Tulane after what they did in Norman, which that game was supposed to be in New Orleans, by by the way. You know, Hurricane Ida messed that up. So those kids, you know, at the last minute had to deal with the hurricane, had to deal with going on the road, and then still played, you know, their butts off and almost came out with a victory. And then last weekend against Morgan State, Tulane just did what – Ever it wanted to do when it wanted to do it, and as we were talking about, you can't tell anything from those kind of games. No, you just can't. So, um, you know, they're going to come in here with a little swagger about them. Ole Miss has a little swagger about it. So let's see who walks out with swagger Saturday night. Should be fun.
0: Here's the thing, with the off week being next week, I don't know if I like the trade off of playing Louisville on Monday night, the only game everybody's tuned in, all of college football, the national spotlight on ESPN, and then getting the early off week in week three. I always prefer the off week right there in the middle of the year or in November. And I don't know if I really like the whole trade-off of, okay, yeah, we got the whole national platform and stage, but you get the off week in week three before Alabama. That's good. You get an extra week. But Austin P, you couldn't really tell anything from Austin P because they got the short week and they only practiced like once or twice, really practiced. So what do we really know other than what we can take away after a full month of practices, full on prep for Louisville? That's the more predictive indicator for me than necessarily Austin P and what you took from last week.
2: Yeah, you know, well, you and I are going to have two weeks to guess at that. Yep. You know that's going to be the most difficult part for us is coming off a two lane game assuming the team is going to be 3-0, and Alabama looming ahead, but it's not six days ahead. It's 13 days ahead, yeah. and it's 13 days of anticipation, 13 days of buildup, 13 days of worry, you know, and uh, 13 days to talk about this game. 13 that's days all of that
0: nauseating coverage.
2: Absolutely. It's going to be like that. I mean, every day you're going to be talking about this football team with the backdrop being Alabama's next, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't even know, I'm not looking at anything. I don't know who Alabama plays the Saturday before they play Ole Miss, but uh, you know, all Ole Miss eyes on that Saturday, you're going to be watching Alabama. You know, you're going to get a preview of exactly what Alabama is and what they bring and how good they are. And they're good. We, you know, we, we obviously that's a moot point in college football. Now you don't ever discuss how good Alabama's good, good is, or if if they're worthy of that number one ranking. Somebody prove, them, prove that they're not. But, um, yeah, 13 straight days of waiting on this. That's <laughs> going to be worse than the 13 days leading up to the Monday night opener against Louisville. I mean, it's 13 days leading up to Alabama in a situation where it could be a top 10 showdown over there depending on what happens in the polls, all this could move into the top 10 convincing win over two lane. Some people in front of them lose. You could have number one versus number 10, maybe. And you're right. College game day, all the trappings of everything, the biggest game in college football that day, the biggest opportunity Matt Corral is ever going to have to really and truly get in the Heisman race.
0: I you mean, know, that's where you so take yourself the from the hypothetical of what can he do to now being a front runner. It's like that whole Zach Wilson right. conversation about emerging as the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. That's the stage. Alabama goes to Florida this weekend. Their number eleven. Is Florida two thirty p.m. on CBS? Then Alabama hosts Southern Miss next Saturday.
2: Mm, and Southern Miss is probably well. Terrible. Let's be honest. It's going to be a tune-up game for the Tide. Um, they're not very good this
0: year. Will Hall is so coaching Will, for his life.
2: Well, you thought no, he's not, but you thought Will Hall might have some magic to get it going early. It turns out the guy that had the magic, Kane Womack down in South Alabama. So happy for Kane, such a good guy. And uh that South Alabama program, they're they're gonna have a good season right off the bat to start off the Womack era down there. I, I'm excited about
0: well, it's funny because Clay Helton's been fired and Lane Kiffin's already hot and every time an opening 25 open, to 1 odds. 25 to 1 odds it's Kiffin. I don't buy that. That's, do you? What,
2: that's what Vegas is saying.
0: I, I don't even buy those odds, man. They fired him on the tarmac. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway and PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone, from pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable, and my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com slash TOC. Code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season Go to Jecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are we going to do this with every single opening? At some point, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you need to enjoy the ride, not sweat what Lane Kiffin's going to do, and that little brother mentality of, oh, Ole Miss is a stepping stone, which was really brought about by Tommy Tuberville leaving to go to Auburn. But Tommy Tuberville going to Auburn had more to do with Pete Boone than anything else. It's not like Tommy didn't want to stay. Tommy did want to stay but Pete couldn't give him assurances as far as facilities and everything like that. Ole Miss is providing Lane Kiffin everything he wants, and Ole Miss is a unique situation for Lane Kiffin in that it's his program. He answers really to no one. That's no disrespecting Keith Carter because Keith is awesome and they have a great relationship, but Lane Kiffin has a ton of freedom here, freedom he otherwise wouldn't have anywhere else, and the idea that he would yeah, sacrifice Keith, Keith that. Is just,
2: Keith is a smart enough AD. He's just not going to meddle. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't need to meddle where, where there's no need to meddle. I mean, you know, like we talked about, we're going to autopsy this turnaround if they beat Alabama. You know, let's autopsy the last year and a half from the time Matt Luke was fired to the hiring of Lane Kiffin and going to the top of the college football world. Which effectively, you knock off Alabama, leave Tuscaloosa four no It may be fleeting. It may be temporary. But you're at the top of the college football world if that happens.
0: Thirty minutes of this, thirty minutes of doing and saying exactly what we're telling Ole Miss not to do and say. Ole Miss fans not to do and yeah,
2: say. Yeah, yeah, Can't help, can't can't help <laughs> ourselves. I mean, look, we can look, we can peer over the horizon. We don't have to play Tulane Saturday. That's right. All right. So it, it's fun to look at look ahead at that. I mean, that's why we're fans, right? We're looking at the schedule, going, "Oh my God, I'm going to." Get a second mortgage on the house so I can get tickets to go to this game. I have to be here for this game. This, this is a, you know, if this thing shapes up like this, as long as Ole Miss beats Tulane, guys, this, you know, it's only 2021. But this, this game has the potential to be remembered as one of the biggest Ole Miss games of this century. It's that big. You'd be a that great
0: wrestling great. promoter. Well, yeah, yeah.
2: I guess so. Jimmy Hart uh, yeah, back it up. in the uh, Jerry Lawler days. Yeah, all, all, all that. But, uh, but it, it does. I mean, you beat Alabama. Look, 2014, that's going to always be one of the biggest Ole Miss wins of this century, right? Right? Am I right or wrong? Oh, yeah. This one, this one, yeah. That one, too. That one, too. I mean, it's got all of that potential. I mean, that's why you love this game, despite all of its warts and its, uh, you know, bad vibes with the payers getting, players getting paid and, you know, people getting rich and players not getting rich when guys in suits are getting rich off their sweat and all that. You, you, you If you could just block all of that out, and it's hard to do, I know it is, this is still a beautiful game. And, man, this is what you live for. I mean, it truly is. Come on. How many Ole Miss fans are are going to go to bed on Friday night thinking about what could happen in Tuscaloosa on that Saturday but
0: afternoon? But you can't. A- you can't, though. You can't what? You can't go what? to bed on Friday night thinking about that because Tulane's actually a good team. My whole deal, and, and I want to stress this,
2: not this Friday night. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean the okay. Friday night
0: before the my, my before fault. the Alabama game. My, my fault.
2: No, all Ole Miss fans, including Ben and I, should go to bed thinking about Tulane this Friday night. I'll just say that. That's the responsible the way, thing. That people are going people are going to kill us for this podcast. Because uh, number one, man, if we come across as homers. <laughs> and number two, um I we're looking anything. ahead, man.
0: Oh. I don't think we've really come across as homers here. We're good about not doing that.
2: Well, I want to tell you, it still excites me, though. It it excites me. But, guys, and I'm talking to the team here. Take care of business Saturday. Take care of business Saturday. That's all. Just take care of business Saturday. And then, you know, the advantage, Ben, you said you didn't like this open date. But Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy and DJ Durkin, hey, man, they've got two weeks to scratch stuff out to break Alabama down, they will be prepared for Alabama. They will be prepared. I think that's a major advantage.
0: I just think that you can't do that whole thing whenever an opening comes up. Oh, God, Lane, Lane, oh, no, is Lane going to leave for this one? It's got to stop. It's got to stop. No, uh, it, it does.
2: Is Lane going to flirt? Yes. Lane's going to
0: flirt. He's going to flirt. That's what he does. But like the idea that Ole Miss can't hang anymore, that's that's thinking that's got to go away because I think that Ole Miss has shown and Keith Carter has shown that they're willing to step up and do what's necessary. And even if at the end of that, Lane were to leave, it's not like Ole Miss wouldn't be in a place where it couldn't go hire whoever it wanted to hire so no matter what, the outcome will be positive for Ole Miss if Lane stays or goes. But Lane has the perfect situation for him, so the idea that Ole Miss is starting at a disadvantage like previous years and trying to keep a coach is simply not true.
2: Yeah, I remember times when Ole Miss was searching for a coach where, you know, ju- just to show how times have changed, local high school coaches' names would pop up in the search, you know? I mean, it hadn't been that many years ago either, all right? so. um, Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is a top-20 job in the country.
0: That's right. It
2: is. And if somebody doesn't like it here or they think they can better themselves somewhere else, go get it, Tiger. I mean, that's the philosophy you have to have. You know, driving yourself crazy over coaching staff leaving?
0: Nah. Nah, you you do not do that. And think about it this way, too. Like, Lane Kiffin is Ole Miss. When people think Ole Miss, they think Lane Kiffin. If he goes to USC, if he goes to Florida State, I don't know, just pick your school, Right. Even though Florida State can't hire, or excuse me, Florida State can't fire Mike Norvell, and thank God Ole Miss didn't go for Mike Norvell, right? Because they definitely went after him and wanted to talk to him. But thankfully, he wanted to go to Florida State. Um, But when you think about this, no matter where he went—Florida State, USC, any of these jobs that might come open—I don't think Florida State's coming open because they just can't afford to fire him. But any of these other places, the school is bigger than the coach, and Ole Miss is bigger than any one coach. The point is, is that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin have this symbiotic relationship to where they are one and the same. When people think about Ole Miss, they think about Lane Kiffin. When they think about Lane Kiffin, they think about Ole Miss. It's been the perfect marriage. So again, thinking about that Ole Miss would be at a disadvantage in another school pursuing its coach is just not true. And even if that were to be the case and he were to leave or whatever it might be, which I don't think he would, but even if he were to leave, Ole Miss would still be in a place where any coach worth his salt could look at this opportunity It's not only a top 20 opportunity, but in the SEC, and also knowing that they themselves can create a whole brand about them and tie themselves to the school like Hugh Freeze did and like Lane Kiffin did. And Lane Kiffin's grown bigger because of Ole Miss. So Ole Miss has so much to offer that you can't keep doing this with every job. Oh, will he leave? Will he not? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he does or not. Ole Miss has become a job that is wanted is coveted and coaches see it for what it is which is an opportunity to further themselves which is what coaches want to do to begin with and, and to rehabilitate yourself in many ways like Lane Kiffin did he's rehabilitated himself to where he's one of the most likable coaches in college football right now because of the old Miss opportunity and this is unique to itself and what it can offer you so knowing that I, I just I'm already tired of it and it's only only happened with one job so far in that USC the idea that Ole Miss is this little brother mentality that you used to have. Just, you can't do this. You just can't do this with every single job that comes up, and it's going to happen, but just try to stop yourself.
2: Yeah, you know, and I think the thing fans quickly forget, this is your program, okay? I mean, yeah, you, you know, 127 years of football at Ole Miss and everywhere else in the country proves one thing. The program always belongs to the people. You know, coaches come and coaches go. Uh, you know, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but it's just like the carnival coming to town. Are you disappointed? The same guy running the Ferris wheel is is, is not back the second year the carnival comes to town. I mean, they're carnival workers. They come in, they're paid to do a job uh, and to attend to your program. And because the guy leaves, it doesn't make it not your program. Fans are, are quick to, forget that that's their program. That is the university's program. It is the state of Mississippi's program. It's going to always be here. And as long as, uh, it's in the sec and it's got to deal with ESPN and the sec network's going strong. You're always going to have the money to hire a quality coach. So, you know, no jumping off bridges, uh,
0: yeah, over stop. the
2: rumor talk and all that kind of stuff. And I believe lane is really settling in here. At Oxford. Mm-hmm. Just too. to be honest with you. Um, It's the perfect
0: spot for him, man. It is.
2: Well, I don't know. Perfect spot may be like, you know, down on the Gulf Coast somewhere on a beach and living on a yacht. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, that's for everybody.
2: What we know. (laughs) 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 Never mind. All right. Let's move on here, guys.
0: Come on. Yeah. So Ben Brown's coming up on the Modern Woman phone line for his weekly segment, Frontline View. Before we jump to him, I wanted to do real quickly a recruit check. Bring it on. Recruit Check. It is on. Check it out. Time now for another recruit check brought to you by MyBookie. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boosts, contests, and promotions up for grabs highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. It only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it, because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today, and in order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use our promo code TOC for talk of champions, TOC, to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using our promo code T-O-C, T-O-C for Talk of Champions. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. So, David, what's the latest right now with Ole Miss football recruiting?
2: Yeah, I think you're going to have a big Saturday in terms of recruits on campus. Uh, really and truly, I don't think they were shooting for the Austin P game to be that big of a recruiting day in terms of numbers of kids coming in here. But... There's so much excitement out there amongst the recruits about what's going on here at Ole Miss. I mean, honestly, they just kind of stampeded the gate. They couldn't couldn't turn them away. So you end up having a good number of kids here for the Austin P game, which I know a few weeks ago was not the plan. Everything was going to kind of be funneled towards this weekend and Tulane. But uh, you couldn't beat them away with a stick, as the old saying goes. Uh, you know, Ole Miss is becoming – In the minds of these prospects and recruits, kind of like it was becoming back in 2013 with Hugh Freeze as a destination place. Kids want to visit here all of a sudden again. And, um, you know, with this staff, though, I think we've seen with them that they're a late-closing staff. And it's not because they can't close them early. It's because I think that's what they want to do. Yes, by
0: design. I think they
2: want to – yeah, by design, you close them late, And you know what? I close a kid today in the middle of September, and I've got to fend everybody off in September, October, November, all the way up to almost Christmas time to get this kid on the letter of intent. If I close them in November and December, it's a much shorter window that they're going to break my heart. You know, I like what they're doing. I I, kind of like the fact that uh, they're late closers. Uh, and I mean, things change with the kids, injuries, things like that. You've got a better idea of what a kid looks like when you've seen his senior season on tape and in person because live evaluations are going on right now. Coaches are going out on Friday nights to games, seeing kids play live. So, uh, you know, I think recruiting is rolling along extremely well. Now, if you want me to sit here and go, they're about to get this guy and this guy and this guy. I can't do that right now. I can't do that right now because I think they could get this guy over here in the corner that's probably an eight on a scale from one to ten, but I think they also know they could get this guy over here in the corner that's a a nine-and-a-half on a scale of one to ten, if that makes any sense to you. So, you know, recruiting is fluid. It's an ongoing process. The ground shifts beneath your feet every single day. And I think we're just going to have to be patient. We're going to see some names trickle in over the course of the next few weeks, I believe. But it's not going to be a mass coming into the Ole Miss class right now because, as you just said, Ben, it's by design. It is by design. So uh, I think recruiting is going well. I think as long as uh, the wins start popping up on the scoreboard, you can also put a W over there in the recruiting column for each one of those you get. And that takes me back to the Alabama game. Oh, my God, oh. what an impact that would have on recruiting if Ole Miss wins in Tuscaloosa this year. I mean, I mean, I mean, look, it's a perfect circle, right? I mean, you know, winning gets you good recruiting. Good recruiting gets you wins. I mean, the, the two go hand in hand. So, you know, you want to know how recruiting's going for Ole Miss? Look at how, how the results are on Saturday. As long as the Ws keep rolling in, the prospects are going to roll in. I know that sounds rather broad, but that's it in a nutshell. Winning gets you recruits. Good recruits get you wins. And um, it's kind of like a whirling dervish of a tornado. You know, somewhere along there, you got to kind of get in rhythm and start making both those things happen at one time. And I think this program is on the verge of that right now
0: not for commitment watch or anything like that, but are there any players in particular prospects in particular that you're most paying attention to? You
2: know, I want to talk about a couple of young guys. Uh, one is playing for Madison Ridgeland Academy down in the, the Jackson area. And the other one is uh, a lot closer to home over in Tupelo at, uh, Tupelo Christian Academy. Both these guys are 20, 24s. Both of them are O-line prospects. Um, uh, Jimothy Lewis is a kid that uh, I've been talking about back in the spring and nobody was talking about it. He comes up here to Ole Miss, the first camp of the summer, and Jake Thornton offers him on the spot. He is a six foot six, 275 pound, 15 year old who has an unbelievable head on his shoulders and an unbelievable God given elite body. Uh, basketball athleticism. When Ole Miss offers, Mississippi State offered, Michigan offered, a whole bunch of other schools offered. I am hearing he's very, very close to going ahead and committing to Ole Miss. And you go, well, he's a tenth grader. I know this kid. I know his family. They're not into the recruiting circus. They don't really want that to be a part of Timothy's high school life moving forward. You know, if they can know now where he's going to play college football. They'd be perfectly fine if no other recruiter ever called them. So keep an eye on him. Timothy Lewis at MRA. Um, the other kid nobody's talking about right now. So I'll kind of bust this out right here. This kid's going to be a four-star offensive line prospect over at Tupelo Christian in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, less than an hour from the old Miss campus. Uh, Uh, You'd have been surprised if I said it was in Meridian, Mississippi, right? I I don't know why I said that, but anyway, uh, his name is Isaiah Autry. This kid is a six foot four, 275 pounder who's got a world of potential. He was at the Austin Peay game on an unofficial visit. Um, Wouldn't surprise me if the offers, his first offers start rolling in very soon, as soon as the film starts circulating. Great bloodlines. His mother was he is Passion Thompson from Philadelphia, Mississippi. And if the name rings a bell with some of the old timers, she was a starting starting forward on two of Pat summits national championship women's basketball teams at Tennessee. So excellent bloodlines for this kid. Uh, they live in Tupelo now, and uh, he's one to watch too. So kind of watching both those kids, a couple of younger kids, like I said, with the seniors. A lot of that action is going to happen in November and early December.
0: The one-minute Arch Manning update is what? Oh, I don't think anybody
2: knows where he's going to go to school still. I, I'll say this much, and and I think that includes the Manning family. Um, I will say that uh, personally, for what it's worth, and it ain't worth much, I feel a lot better right now about where Ole Miss stands in his recruitment, then I did in, say, middle of the summer. There was a lot of, I think, uh, mutual admiration going on between Arch and Steve Sark Sark out at Texas. And, uh, you know, I think some of that may have kind of cooled off a little bit, you know, maybe even for obvious reasons. I mean, um,
0: no, no, Texas is back, right? Again? Yeah. It's back again? Yeah,
2: that's what everybody said. Yeah, again. Well, Texas is back again every year, right? Every
0: year. It's always back. It's back, Every
2: year, Texas. It's as bad. Look, every preseason poll in in the country, it does not matter. What they did the year before, what they have coming back, is going to include LSU, Notre Dame, and Texas, period. No matter if they're deserving to be in the top 25 or not, they're always going to start inside the top 25. You can take those polls and wipe your butt on them. As far as I'm concerned, how do you really feel worth? about it, David? Come on, you're telling me Coastal Carolina is better than no, Ole Miss?
0: No, no. The preseason rankings are, are you silly. I think you you, you Jamie, can't rank like teams. You can't rank teams until after Week One, in my opinion. Preseason polls yeah. have to go away.
2: Maybe even Week Two. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it, it's just it's just absolutely stupendous and how screwed up these things are and the built-in biased. I I mean, you're always going to have LSU in a freaking poll. Look, I was one of the few people over the the offseason going, man, I'm telling you, there's so much crap going on behind the scenes at LSU that you're not reading about it, that they're going to be lucky to even pay attention to the fact that they've got a football season going on this year. I did not think LSU was going to be very good this year. And you know what, folks? They're not. They're not very good this year. But you know, top twenty-five,
0: top fifteen, usually, usually top 15, top fifteen, no matter what, yeah, because yeah. it's LSU.
2: Same thing with Ed Noter, and Ed fricking Dame. Same thing. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said fricking Dame. I, I take that back. That's almost blasphemy. Now keep it Noter right. fricking
0: Dame, baby.
2: I, I mean, come on, Newt rodney has gone. He's been gone a long time. Hell, Lou Holtz has been gone a long time. I mean, you know. They, I I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it every year, every year, every year. And if they somehow play a couple of big kid teams that are highly touted that maybe shouldn't be, and they get to the playoffs, they're going to get murdered in the playoffs every year. I mean, it is just, it is what it is. That's the world we live in. Expand the playoffs. He's David I Johnson. For, I'm for a team playoff, government Ooh. 2014 playoff. With the top eight seeds getting the first round bye. That's what I'd like to see happen. Yeah, we'll tease that out.
0: Now. Tease that out before we have to wrap this up. Golly, I have so yeah, much I want to say yeah. about that. I love the idea.
2: Yeah. Again, I apologize for my voice today. I've you know There's nothing days, to apologize for. Talk. Come on. Some days I can talk, some days I can't. Um, you know. Bah. Talked so all is. about
0: Ole Miss in Alabama. So Ole Miss in Alabama, don't think about too late. In two weeks. Yeah,
2: yeah. You gotta headline this, the Ole Miss Alabama podcast or something. That's what huh? it
0: is. But yeah. Gotta be funny. It is. He's David Sorry. Johnson. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you on Thursday. All right, guys. That was David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woman phone line to talk to Ben Brown for his weekly segment, Frontline View. Before we do, let's hear from Cheney's Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season. Specifically, Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Chinese also accepts all third-party insurance, Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that, I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back, and you're gonna be there. Well, when you're making those trips, why not go in style? In the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted. Well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're going to get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford, and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. While well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest, I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends.
2: The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Call. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best old-miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in rebel sports. Modern
0: Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woman phone line is Ben Brown, Ole Miss offensive lineman for his weekly segment, Frontline View, brought to you by Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Have you ever wondered what you're going to do for retirement or if you're ever going to actually be able to retire? Well, if so, give my friend Thomas Chandler at Modern Woodman a call. He specializes in retirement and investment planning and loves helping people plan for their dream. And Modern Woodman offers anything you could possibly need from mutual funds to employee benefits to college savings plans and even a 1% guaranteed annuity. So give Thomas a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And start taking control of your future today. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Ben, what's up, man? How you doing?
3: Man, I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks again for having me.
0: Thanks for coming back on. And obviously 2-0 now after beating up on Austin P 54-17. to The general <coughs> takeaway from the team which I watched film was what? Uh... I mean,
3: we did a lot of good things, obviously. Uh, I mean, a win is a win. Um, I thought Rebel Nation really showed out great, and the Walker champions and the stadium, that was awesome. You know, finally just having a feel of a regular game day again, and everyone showed up, and man, that was just awesome, having the whole city and state and all rebel nation having our back for all four quarters, really. And the student section was there as well. It was a great fun atmosphere for all four quarters.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. And y'all haven't had that, like you said, in a long time, it's been well over a year. So to experience it, did you have to really see it again and be in it again to realize how much you missed it?
3: Absolutely. I mean, every time I go down the walk of champions, you know, it's, it, it brings chills to you really, just because it's such a unique experience that I mean, so special to Ole Miss and to everyone. And, you know, it's been over a year since we've done it, you know. And so, stepping off that bus and, you know, walking through the Grove with all the fans, that was just – that was incredible, man. That was awesome.
0: As far as the offensive line is concerned, I think Pro Football Focus came out and said that y'all had the third best offensive line performance of week two. Or maybe it's week three because there's week zero. I don't know. doesn't matter. Point being, y'all had a top three performance. But then Lane comes out on his Monday press conference and says – no, I didn't really see it that way. For you, being up there, do you feel the same way that y'all didn't really perform at that level or were there things that y'all took away that y'all said that's that's kind of what we want to look like?
3: Well, we have a, st- a certain standard that we always play at as an offensive line, whether you know that's all some P we're playing or whether that's Tulane this week or whoever. So, uh, I mean, at times we were doing our job and all of that, but uh, I feel like sometimes we're a little up and down, but just, you know being consistent throughout the entire game for sure and you know uh executing at our standard so that's kind of what we're focusing on this week for big opponent against Tulane.
0: through two games maybe recurring things with the offensive line we're doing this well we're not doing this well anything that's standing out um i
3: think we're running the football well obviously uh we got to keep the pocket a little bit more clean for uh two back there um had a couple issues in the game but uh I think we're improving every single week. Uh, so that's been great seeing game by game, seeing us and in practice, just trying to focus on little things and making corrections every week from mistakes that we had in the game before. So really just trying to stack good days on good days. That way we can, you know, consistently perform at the standard that we're looking for.
0: Orlando Umana was out last week. Bryce Ramsey stepped in. Was there any real drop-off there?
3: No, Bryce ran the show great. I mean, Bryce was getting us all, you know, I mean, he was pushing the tempo great. He was getting the calls out and ID ID and the defense well. So, I mean, we were just rolling. It just, I mean, the offense was clicking great. So, I mean, it it didn't really feel too much different.
0: How close are y'all to meeting that standard, do you think?
3: Um, I think we're definitely close. Uh, I think just the big thing it's coming down to is just uh, the little details every single day, whether that's, you know, a small thing we talk about in a meeting that ends up being a a big deal in the game when it's third and short. You know, so, I mean, just really locking in on some of the tiny details and some of the fine-tune, some of our techniques, and I I think we could have a special
0: group. What are some of those small details and techniques that you speak about when you're asked about those type of things?
3: Um, I mean, it could be anything from, you know, your footwork is not quite on par, so if if you don't really gain ground on your first step and your second step doesn't really have power with it, I mean, if you don't do that, then, I mean, it, it could be a negative play from the very beginning. So, and obviously having a good stance every single play and uh, hand placement as well. So, it's it's really just, there's a whole lot to it that encompasses kind of all of that to being a successful offensive lineman, especially in the temple that we play. So, just kind of being consistent with it.
0: So, when you're going down the walk of champions for the first time in over a year, what was the response like as far as enthusiasm? Did you have a lot, a lot of Ole Miss fans trying to chest bump? get up in your grill and stuff like that. How was that?
3: Well, it was a little bit more different because, you know, we still kind of had our COVID rules and all that, you know, so the fans were kind of pushed back a little bit. Hopefully that'll uh, be able to change a little bit as the season goes on and all that. But, I mean, it's still great being able to see everyone else, still trying to, you know, sneak in some high fives here and there and all that. <laughs> You, my family and everything. You're so. one of those guys
0: that loves to get like amped up, right? When you're doing those kind of things, you, go down right. Alley, you want to be one of those that's really fired things up. So you have to kind of hold yourself back a little bit when you're walking down there, knowing, okay, well, I got to follow some protocols, but God, I want to jump in, like do a mosh pit type style thing here.
3: Absolutely. There's always this uh one man. I'm, I'm not sure what his name is, but he's been there every single year. He's he's at the point of the walk of champions where you there's a little turn by the hottie totty potties, and you take a left and. That's when he goes straight down to the stadium. And he's always, you know, he's yelling and screaming and stuff. And I, I saw him and I see him every time. So I just like pulled him in. I was like, yeah, let's go. So <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, man. That dude's man. got some great energy. That's that the I thing, want.
0: man. You're the perfect kind of candidate for just taking the video camera and following you because you embrace the Walk of Champions, man. You know what it is. It's just this big, crazy event. and And you always just kind of lean into it a little bit.
3: Right. Well, I'd really just try to, you know, soak it all in as well. Cause I mean, like last year we didn't even have it. So, I mean, I I just, I don't want to listen to any music or anything while I'm going down. I just want to take it all in and, you know, just appreciate it while I've got it. So.
0: Well, a big point of emphasis for the entire team, especially coming down from Kiffin was that he wanted fans to stay for a long time. He wanted the student sections to really show up and they did. Does that make a real difference in game?
3: I really think it did. I mean, third down and stuff. I mean, when our, student section was standing up and being loud and and our fans as well, I think that really does make a big difference. And with players as well. I mean, if we've got, you know, everyone supporting us and, you know, other people excited about Ole Miss football and, you know, when we make a big play and it's more than just our sidelines, it's, you know, it's the stadium as well. I mean, I think that energy just spreads and it just brings us some momentum and, you know, momentum's a strong thing in college football. Cause once a team has it, you know, it's hard to, you know, change directions for the other team. So.
0: Well, not to diminish the opponent at all, but with Austin P, a game like that, you're just trying to get out of it with a win, win pretty convincingly, and not have any major injuries. So for you guys, did you get done, considering everything just generally, did you get done what you wanted to get done?
3: We did, yes, sir. Uh, I mean, obviously, again, there's some things that, you know, I mean, we strive for being perfect. So there's obviously there's things that we need to do better as players and all that. Um but, I mean, it feels great being 2-0 and though and having another game of the ball at night game, that's, that's going to be awesome.
0: Tulane's been pretty impressive through two games, gave Oklahoma everything they could possibly handle. Then in the second game, put up over 60 in their first win. When you look at Tulane on tape, what stands out?
3: Uh, I'd say both of their linebackers are really, really good. They're very elite linebackers. They fly around the ball. They're very physical. And up front as well, I mean, they've got some big bodies. They've got a defensive tackle, number 77, who's 330 pounds. I mean, this is an elite defense that we're going to be playing. And it's going to be a challenge for our offense. And, you know, we're going to have to respond. And, you know, we're preparing like it's an SEC game. So
0: Yeah, obviously, when Lane Kiffin, when you say it's like an SEC (laughs) opponent, it's pretty self-explanatory. I feel like this is a very capable opponent that can win. But what makes them look like that, look like the opponent shall face every week in conference?
3: Well, I'd say one thing, unique thing that their defense does is that they like to keep guys fresh. So, I mean, they're they're rotating guys in and out throughout the entire game. So, I think that allows them to make more plays because they have limited snaps. And so, I guess since they're in a the defense knowing that, I guess they know that they don't have to play as many snaps, or it might be a little bit easier for them to sell out at times. Um, but it's just a very physical unit, so it'll be a challenge for us
0: this what's, Saturday. What's their base? Because I'm one of those people that really haven't watched much Tulane. I just look at the box scores, for example. So when you're all looking, looking at them on film and breaking them down, what's their base? What kind of fronts, looks have they presented pretty often through two games?
3: So, really, they just really run a four-down base front, nothing really too crazy. I mean, the past couple weeks, you've been going against, like, an an odd-tight defense. So, just really just kind of your standard four-down defense. So, nothing too, too crazy. Um, But we'll get into more of the details with all that tomorrow when we get some third-down looks and all that. But right now, we're just on
0: base looks and everything. There have been some really positive developments offensively for Ole Miss through two games, one of them being Dontario Drummond and how effective he's been in the slot, replacing Elijah Moore, which is a pretty easy narrative to sell because that was Elijah's primary position playing in the slot. But it's more than that. With Dontario, did you kind of see this coming in any real way?
3: Absolutely. I mean, he shined all during fall camp and, you know, last year as well. I mean, he shined. So, I mean, it really wasn't a surprise to anyone, to any of us players or coaches, you know, inside – Inside our facilities, so, uh, I mean, we we knew he's a playmaker. I mean, the kick and ball, He can, I mean, he's a great wide receiver, and I'm I'm glad he's on our sideline.
0: Yeah, one thing that really stuck out to me is Jonathan Mingo in the postgame was asked about his big performance, and he had, I think, a team-high seven catches. He also had two touchdowns like Dontario did. And one thing he said was, we believe we're the best wide receiver group in the country. Now, that can be up for debate. It doesn't matter. point is, is that – They believe that they have a good deep room and any one guy can be the one that takes over in a given week. Now it used to not be that way and it's really developed into that. You saw Jonathan Mingo really take a step and Braylon Sanders has always been pretty effective through the last three years. But have you seen the depth of that room already show through two games?
3: Absolutely. I think what makes this wide receiver group so unique is that they're both confident, but they're also very physical. So, I mean, they'll – they always fight for extra yards after a catch. And, uh, I mean, they. whenever they see the ball, I mean, they're going to be aggressive trying to get it. So, I mean, we've got some playmakers in our wide receiver room.
0: So is there anything in particular that y'all need to do, make sure you get done to jump on Tulane and kind of not let your foot off the gas and, and keep your, throat on, your foot on their neck here and uh, win that game? Is there anything in particular that y'all know you'll have to get done to win that game?
3: Um, I think really just a big thing is just fine tune everything, any mistakes that we made in the Austin P game and you know, focus on us and you know, what we need to accomplish and you know, uh, that's gonna be a four quarter battle because it's such a good such a good team that we're about to play, so everyone's just preparing accordingly. So
0: how you feeling? Because you got hurt a little bit or banged up a little bit in the first game, played the whole second game. We knew that was gonna happen, but how you feeling?
3: Man, I feel great. I feel hundred um, percent i excited to play some Ole Miss football this fall. So,
0: Yeah, there's, there's going to be very little that can keep you out of a game, man. <laughs> Knowing you like I do, there's going to be very little that keeps you out of the game. Um, I'm curious also because you went up against this defense throughout the whole fall camp. They had a really great show in the season opener. A little bit less of a dominant performance in game two, but defensively, I know you're not in those rooms, but those are your teammates, and you know what they're kind of focusing on. What's the overall maybe feel right now for that defense and kind of take away from their game against Austin P?
3: I feel like our defense kind of has a little bit of the same mindset as our offense right now. Like, you know, they they did some awesome things in the game, like Sam Williams, strip sack, fumble recovery, touchdown. I mean, just some some awesome things. But I think, again, I, I think, you know, no one's really fully satisfied because they've got a standard on their side of the ball as well that they want to achieve every single game. So uh, I think just getting to that point.
0: I know Ole Miss fans in the media, we all watch the other games and pay attention to your opponents like LSU and Mississippi State and everybody else in the SEC West, Alabama, Auburn, you name it. Do y'all do that? Um,
3: I mean, guys, if if you've got some free time, I mean, guys might, you know, peek at a game. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's really hard to if you, you know, I mean, we all play on Saturdays, you know, unless if they've got an unusual Monday game like we did, you know. So it's really kind of hard to – to see anything other than, you know, the box scores, you know, on on the Sunday. So
0: The reason I asked is because it's so cliche, but do y'all really do the one week at a time thing? Is it really that laser we really focused? Do. Okay.
3: It really is, yeah.
0: How do you do that though? Because it would be so tempting to just look around and go, okay, well, Alabama's got this, LSU's got
1: that.
3: Well, because it changes every single week. I mean, every I mean teams over on their base fronts and stuff, but I mean every team plans something specific for you. And you can't ever get too far ahead of yourself. I mean, every single day you have to think, how am I going to be better for Wednesday's practice tomorrow? How am I going to be better for Tuesday or Thursday's practice the next day? So, I mean, since there's so much that, you know, encompasses a a game, a singular game, you have to really take it day by day. Because if you don't, you're going to not be as focused and you're not going to have all the details down pat, so...
0: Well, one of the last things, I told you I would ask you this every single week. So, is Matt Corral a leading Heisman candidate? And if he is, what's the case after two weeks?
3: I think Matt has done awesome these past two weeks. I think Matt has been on point, and uh, he makes my job, again, like I always say, he makes my job so much easier back in front of him, protecting for him. So,
0: what makes him so good? What's his best quality?
3: Um,. How he understands our our offense and how he can read the defense, I think that's just like uh, such a dangerous weapon. I mean, he he knows everything that's going on all at one time in the offense, but he's also able to read the defense so well that I mean that's that's just a dangerous combination. If the man knows everything what's going on almost the entire time while he's playing, you know.
0: So, well, in the first edition of Frontline View, you took us to school about the counter. Today, what's the offensive line school that you're going to be teaching us about offensive line play?
3: Uh, I'll tell you all just a, a little brief thing about pass protection. So uh, I'm not sure if everyone knows this, but pocket integrity is huge for a quarterback. So in order for a quarterback to feel protected, a quarterback needs to have space, right? So when you're a guard, when you're setting in the pocket, a guard sets the width of the pocket. So therefore, if you if your guards are good, the quarterback feels like he has space to his left and right. But the tackles set the width of the pocket. So if you've got elite tackles that can set, the quarterback's got plenty of space around him and isn't feeling pressure from him from the depth. So if in order to have a clean pocket, the guards need to set the width and the tackles need to set the depth. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you, Ben.
1: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.